only because I think this. So, this is how we overcame trauma. I had a pair of rider boots on before. Thought I was the shit. I had on rider boots, Jordache jeans, and a silk shirt.
<laughs> you know, I, I need to get something funny anyway. Who says it's gonna be? You funny? always say something funny. I wasn't going for fun. I wasn't going for funny right there. Anyway. But when we were talking on Sunday, one of the things that I, when you and um, Latte were talking, my my thought is is the playing of a victim is something that or people who assume a victim's mentality. My thought was you all were coming from coming from a perspective of what's going on in your life. You can work your way through, or you can kind of like find your way out of. You can get your way out of, and you don't have to feel like something is against you. That's the simplest. That's me being very simplistic in explaining either one of you. And so, we remember when, during the conversation, one of the things we said was one of the things I said was until until not just the truth or a principle of truth is presented but that person's truth is presented to them when you've gone through certain things in life you're not playing the victim that mentality is something that when you've been neglected abused when you've yeah. been you've been you you know the, the the one young man that I saw walk being pulled to his mother this was 2017 2016 but downtown Baltimore you know we, everybody's walking around doing their business you know and just doing mm -hmm. normal business and you Lord, come in, MFA. You you know, I told you and just I mean I mean so loud that it caused everyone to look. Stop. Yeah, I've been And so when that, and when I see that. when I turn around and look, it's a kid, maybe two or three years old. Mm -hmm. And his mother is yanking him, and, walking across the street. And acting like a and acting, ass fool. And and mm -hmm. but acting like he's some adult who can receive this abuse and I'm walking down the street and I'm walking with a white person. And you know, you can see the looks on their face like, oh my God, like, this, are you, is this happening? And I'm like, and I said, the sad part about the, and I said this right to him right in that moment. I said, the sad part about it is, is when that young man grows up and has mental issues, and this is before we thought about a podcast, mm -hmm. I said, but he's going to have emotional, I said, when I say mental, he's when I said has emotional issues, and those emotional issues are showed in kindergarten, pre-K, kindergarten, first grade, he's going to be the problem because of what he's receiving. And I don't know what caused her to even feel the way she felt to do whatever she was doing. But needless to say, this adult was passing on all of her emotional baggage mm -hmm. and everything else that she has mm -hmm. onto this young, this, this child. And this child was going to grow up with that. And once they grow up with that, he's not away. choosing to be a victim of anything. These are all circumstances. These are all situations. These are all his experiences. And when it comes to Hey, I just need you to realize if you be you and for all of those people like, you know, you just need to toughen up. And it's like, no, whoa, whoa. No, there, no, there's no, so no. many different things or it's not the right man's fault. And it's not. The, no, no, I'm not. It's not. You're right. It's not any of those things. But that young person needs actual help. He's yeah. going. But he I think she's what we even said during the podcast, we, I know I said, you know, this is not if you are mentally or physically abused. This has nothing to do with a rape or an assault. I said, I remember saying that because. Mm -hmm. That those that, that circumstance is so very different, mm -hmm. and you know, well, I'm feel very strongly about how you treat a child, period. But especially a child between birth and age of five, mm -hmm. because whoever they are by the time they're five, that's it. You can't change that. You can't mm -hmm. change the fear. You can't change their language, how they receive love. All of those things are already embedded into them. Mm -hmm. So anything after five, it's just maintenance mm -hmm. and experience. Because, you know, that's why, you know, you, you all, you know, people are always amazed when 
you know, like you said, your daughter could read really early and she understood what you were saying. And, you know, mm-hmm. you guys kind of cultivated that environment in your home where your kids were on a path of learning and excitement for them. And then you picture, you take a whole nother child. I remember they did a study a long time ago, but they, they keep doing the same study, let you know things haven't gotten any better. And they took a child that had been neglected up until like three or four because just happened to, they happened to get that child the child couldn't speak, couldn't go to the bathroom by himself, could hardly walk. He had nothing. He mm. was just depleted of and void of a personality. And by the time they like could get to him to get him a little bit unafraid, then he started displaying all of the schizophrenia. Things that you see, because kids, they're so wise. Mm-hmm. You know, they're wise until they have to hit, then their life hits them and it knocks all the comments inside of them. That's what I really feel, but... You know, it's like when you look into a child's eyes and they say they have wise eyes because they can see so much. And you can tell Mm -hmm. some of those kids, when they look at you, they look at you like a grown man will look at you like, did you just see this shit happen? Mm -hmm. You looking at them like, yes. Would you like a cookie? Because we got nothing to offer, you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I agree with you with that, you know, with that whole mindset. I'm not even, that's kind of, that wasn't where I was coming from with regards to the conversation. My view was... I think that as we get older and even as we excel in life, a lot of people get stuck playing the victim because that's the only thing that gets them attention. And I agree with you there. You I, no, no, I, I do agree because I, I think, the, but I wanted to make sure I was being for as, for as tough as I can be on topics or, or, and as hard as I am at times with things when it comes to discipline, you know, as far as structure for my family. Um, I also realized that in, in the line of work that I've been in and the opportunities to volunteer, and I'm sure you see the same thing definitely in your line of work. I know you see it in your line of work as well. There are lots of individuals who go through many things. And one of the things that drives me, I would say crazy and it, it upsets me is when we not walking in another individual's shoes, decide, try to decide and label them based on what we're seeing for that page or moment in their life. Instead of knowing the whole Instead story. Instead of knowing the whole story. And, it's, and it's, it's a very difficult thing. And so as we discuss this topic of victim's mentality, there are many different angles we can look at this, and we'll touch on a few. But when we talk about it, as you're talking about, as you're stating, I think there is something to the thought of feeling like you cannot achieve because there are things against you. And we're not talking about as you said, physical abuse, physical, physical, mental, verbal, spiritual, all of those things are real. Mm -hmm. And even with those things being real in your life, because we've all had some form of that, those types of experiences where you, 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 I told you, I think coming up and I mentioned it podcast, you know, like one of our earlier podcasts told you, I grew up, I was very Fair, very light skinned, <laughs> light skinned. Um, you was light skinned, did? Yeah, I was right, <laughs> with the with the red hair, the, you know, the, the the curly red hair, and I'm you know, and I'm growing up around my cousins. I wish I had my baby picture. We was bright. Yeah. With bright hair. Exactly. When the sun, when the sun hit it, it would just get like even lighter, lighter. lighter. Yep. almost blonde. Yeah. Um, there you go. Exactly. Yep. So, but growing up, my cousins would call me. They would say they would say white boy, and I I, I wasn't as I, I wasn't as social as they were. But I remember them, you know, making statements and saying things and, and, and all of the statements that they would state, you know, they would always call me white boy as in, not, not in, in an endearing like white boy, you think you're better than us. 
it was white boy, white boy, and like the white boys, like it was slander. It was it was meant to hurt me, and it did hurt me. And I remember one particular time, I was they, how they did it, I can't recall, but them kind of hanging me upside down or you know on this on this railing or something like that. And I remember crying. I remember doing all those things. And this was fam. This was my cousins. This wasn't somebody outside of it. But in the midst of dealing with or going through that issue, it didn't make me soft. It didn't make me like angry at them. It didn't do any of those things. What it did was it made me tougher to the point of it isolated me in the relationship, but it didn't stop me from like kind of evolving. I, I, mm -hmm. I feel fortunate enough to the point where I feel like God not only looked out for me and, you know, and was and, and provided me with a certain level of fortitude because a lot of what I endured growing up, I was actually able to work through myself. Well, we had a conversation. Learning to forgive, real not yeah. easy. And the funny thing is, people think it's a, we like use it's an easy path. That's not it. No, but you can't live in that moment forever. I just, yeah, exactly. You and, know, and I don't think I wanted to. And I think because I yeah, I realized it wasn't beneficial. The only times I would say I probably held on to anger, and then you realize later was I held on to anger when I actually did want something in a relationship or from a relationship and what was being given wasn't being reciprocated. And I'm not even talking about with Trisha or with yeah, like romantic, girlfriends but or like romantic just friends, just friends yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I would think that it was easy for me to move on from those situations probably because I didn't have any expectations from them. So I can move on from the situation because there was no expectation of what they could provide or do for me. My mother was my mother and grandmother provided, you know, my clothes. They made me feel comfortable and safe. They provided my food. So when those situations happened, for me it wasn't that big of a deal. So it was it wasn't hard for me to not play victim to this abuse or bullying or whatever you want to call it at that time. I didn't even consider any of those things. I considered it idiot cousins doing what stupid cousins do. And for me, I was still going to play with my G.I. Joes. I was still going to play You're my still game. Gonna be I was still going to be me. Mm -hmm. And it was never going to stop. And they were going to go off and do what they were going to do. But I never, I, like even at that early age, my thought wasn't, they're picking on me. And it's just like. See, but, and I think I had the similar things, but mine was, mine was a little odd in the sense where it was never one. It was always this weird thing. Like if you were in, you lived in a hood, but if your hood was a little higher class than certain hoods, then you got discriminated against, you know? Because I would have my cousins who would come from down like Mount Moore Court. Bougetto, huh? Woo! <laughs> would come from down Mount Moore Court. Then they would come up and I lived like Park Heights and Park Heights Terrace. Mm -hmm. Not great. Like let's just be super honest with this, okay? Like, mm -hmm. mm -mm, but we lived in a house. And we didn't live in the projects. And that was a step up. And you were closer to the Jewish people. I didn't know that at the time. And, not, didn't know. And, and, when I say, and when I say that, I'm not saying that as a slander towards anybody of any different ethnicity. Yeah. But, you know, coming up, when we, when we come up, us, we looked at Jewish people as... The, the pinnacle. As having something, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Who was, were arbiters of money and arbiters of different things. And so... These individuals could could have something that yeah, you want. And so I didn't you even moved, know they lived there because I, we were so far in the But I guarantee, the but I guarantee you, your cousins knew because people, people who were, and I continue to tell you, sir, but we would look at that as like, oh, they think they better because they moving closer to, and you make your statement. We didn't even know, okay? Mm -hmm. So, but my mother wanted to live in a house. And so that was her thing. No matter what happened, we've had, we've 
we've only lived in one apartment. We always had a house. But I would have cousins who would come up and they literally were like, the minute my mother shut the door, it was like Tom and Jerry the whole goddamn eight hour day. I've had my fingers slammed in windows and set on fires at the tip. I, I mean, I had some shit happen yeah, that she'd be yeah, like, thing yo. One, thing one, two, three, yes, but all the just things like, doing this, stuff. You made me all that because you got long hair. I'm like, yo, I don't produce my hair. It come from the people who help give me life. Like, go get mad at them. Set them on fire and see what the fuck happened. Mm. You know, but they would come up, wreak havoc, then go home and cry because they were home. Then come back up, wreak havoc. Look, long story short, the only way I got them out of my house was one of the cousins was having sex in my mother's pantry with her boyfriend. I didn't care about that, but they started stepping on the boxes of oodles and noodles. Remember, we used to have the cases? Mm, the cases. Mm. Called my mother and was like, she's stepping on your case of oodles and noodles and having sex. They never came back. All I'm saying is the oodles and noodles was the bottom line. She was like, you fucking with my food? These motherfuckers <laughs> got to go. They didn't even care about me being abused. <laughs> it's just like the oodles and noodles was <laughs> the, oodles the noodles line in the sand. That was it. That was it. <laughs> You know, so, but the victim's mentality, it would be like, you know, I live in, you know, you we live in the projects and, you know, we're never going to get anything and, it's and you know, life is so hard and I would go down to the projects and I thought the projects was cool because it always had kids. There was always something to do. <laughs> a lot of them too, right? <laughs> a lot of kids. But there was never any wind. You ever notice, like, there's certain places in Baltimore where the wind, the wind never, you can wet your face and put it out the window and the wind never you know, I mean, yeah. but I would go and I enjoyed going and hanging out. And when the bad stuff happened, we came in the house, the bad stuff was over back outside. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But up where I live, less bad stuff happened depending on what time you were outside. Because you had mm-hmm. a little, we were mixed with homeowners and renters. So I understood the difference. But I, I, I don't know what to tell you. But you know what? I think that's a good place to start because when we talk about the process of being a victim, I think it's best that we speak from our experiences because our experiences, while they're our experiences, others may, they, they may be able to relate to it and think about what they were going, think about what's going on with them because I think sometimes when we're trying to discuss the victim's mentality through someone else's eyes, Mm-hmm. We kind of said it. We didn't experience what they what they. Yeah, we didn't go through what they yeah, went through, so and that's we, why you and I, I think we we try very hard to speak from where we are or yeah, were exactly. And then if anybody else agrees with that or disagrees or had a similar situation, they you know get it. I never want our podcast to become a you 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 yeah. because again, like we always say, at the end of the day. The podcast is our journey, and we're happy that people are joining it. And we'll be right back. And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) That's what's up. You even you even got Super DJ saying that. Super DJ rebel. I like that. Right. So um. As as we take this journey of talking about victims' mentality, when we were talking, you read um, something from Amy Moran last time. Do you want to you yeah, know, it was read a, that again? Yeah, it was a piggyback off of you because you gave me this. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, banking the world and the people in it are out to get you will prevent you from being your best. 
In fact, if you blame all of your problems on external circumstances, you'll never take responsibility for your life. Mentally strong people acknowledge their choices, even in the face of tragic circumstances. They focus on the things they can control and they refuse to waste time on hosting pity parties. <laughs> and so that like when you when and that's from a that's you know she does a ted talk and that's from the secret to becoming mentally strong and that's amy moran that's a quote from um amy moran it's I'm a really make, good ted talk though. um i want to make sure i give her you know her props for a, a very good uh, ted talk but in doing that i think about when i think about be, how how i've kind of come to the place where i did where where i am and we both are when we talk about like this journey um, I think growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in, there were many situations, I told you, being the kid with the hand-me-downs, being the kid who uh, had different things said. It was funny because not just the hand-me-downs, I remember being, the. it was a group of us. It was me, and I, t I know we tried to, I'm not, I won't say the last names. It was me, uh, a friend of mine named LaVon, Donnell, and... And her name, I want to say Mildred. I got that wrong. I forget her name. Melinda. I want to say Melinda. But anyway. Why were you such old names in the 70s? Because we were, there was no Shaquitas. There was no Kim. Um, there was don't no you better not There was no DA. My, my daughter's name. There was no DeAsia's back in the day. It was so, <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm not even going to criticize someone else. I'm going to say my daughter's names. It was none of those names back in the day. But I would say when we grew up, we were like the smart people, quote, the, quote unquote, we were the smartest people in the class. So every year we were the ones who would get a trophy for academic achievement. And so as we were doing this, they were, I was always competitive, but it was, my competition was not about them. My competition was, I think they were more socially adaptable. They, they could adapt to their environment a lot better than I did. Because okay. even though I would do well in school, I was not, I was still not a talker. I was still quiet. I would get into trouble because of my attitude, but I was not to like just run around, start trouble. But I, I, I was I actually I would always do my work well, and so I was competitive that way. Mm -hmm. And so when we were in school, like one of the other things that we would face, it, a part of the truth in our neighborhood was when you were too smart. Uh, mm -hmm. The person that was too smart was considered a nerd, or you had the problem. And so each one of us kind of went to each one of us when we graduated elementary school went to either we were all in um gift they were called gifted and talented programs at the time yes. so you would have those individuals who would judge you because when you were in the gifted and talented program and where we went to school it was maybe four or five of us in this class of 20 some odd students where you're in this class with predominantly white kids and you know your 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 peers that you grew up with in the neighborhood are not in those classes so Y'all nerds, y'all geeks, y'all, and, and so you you try to you 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 try to fight against that. So like I remember like did like the way I dealt with all of that those those situations and kind of as I grew up, I would always have this small battle that was going on inside of me, and the small battle would always revolve around because the older I got, the more I wanted to kind of be involved <laughs> in the neighborhood. You okay? You sure? No need to pause. Okay, all right. But anyway, the older I, the older I got, there you go. That's messed up. The older I got, the more I wanted to be involved with and within the neighborhood. And when I say be involved, you start to try, you start to you, you know stretch branch out and branch yeah branch out. 
and, and become, you know, develop certain friendships. And I was always good with the people in the neighborhood, but you know, you, you, what people call, they would call it bullying now, but it was, it was more like, to me, it was cracking jokes, doing the different things that we did. And we always picked on those circumstances. And once again, I never felt like, all right, let me, let me scratch that. Maybe 14, about 13, 14, I would say I didn't feel like a victim. But what I did was I felt isolated when I was trying to fit in. I was good at, I was good at basketball. I was good at school. I was good at school first and foremost. But then I played, I was good at basketball. I, I became good at basketball. But all of that was... Me started crying. <laughs> but, but all of that stuff started because of, I would say, com that competitive nature that that lives with. And when I say competition, the comp competition wasn't against the person per se. The competition was Within bring yourself. the best, bring mm -hmm. the best out of me, mm -hmm. bring the best. And so it's like if you were the bigger challenge, I wanted that bigger challenge because you went Larry Bird. I wanted who I was going to make the best. Yeah, yeah mm -hmm. like you say, Magic just like yep. right? You want that individual that was going to bring that best out of you. And so that's what I would always look for. And so when, but it didn't always and didn't because I still wasn't socially, a, like like I described my buddies. They were they could adapt socially. I didn't. Okay. And even though they were smart, I wouldn't say they faced some of what I faced. And so it wasn't like I was this kid that was being picked on all the time. But I I I I kind of was still trying to find a role. And I, I think I said, when I came up with the term regular was around 14, 15, that 14, 15 year old age was because I remember going into middle school and I remember trying to fit in. And, and now when you're being bussed into a school and it's four black kids in this class. And when you're four black kids in this class and then you have to, the academics were never an issue. And the work was always, to me, seemed easy. The problem was, you're now having to prove your yes. blackness and, your and prove your stance. social stance mm -hmm. while still excelling in this class, and you would you would just fight with that. And so that fight through the through my sixth grade, seventh grade year, I think my seventh grade year, and after I got out of that seven, you know, once you live through that, then you get into high school, and it 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 ratchets up. It changes a lot. Middle yeah, school is more changes. yeah. Middle yeah. middle school is more traumatizing. I think oh. than, than anything oh, oh. else. We can have a whole podcast <laughs> yeah. on middle school trauma. Exactly, but I think once I got to high school, like at that point in time, as I say, like I'm, I'm now at that 14, 15 year old age, or and I've already decided in my mind. Eh, I really, I started not caring what people thought because I had spent too much time being concerned. And I remember being angry with myself because I would have, I remember having this Russell sweatshirt that my mother could not get me. the a, best sweatpants, man. <laughs> and my mom could not afford certain things. But there were certain, there were certain times she could get me certain things. And she bought me a blue Russell hoodie. And so me, the Russell hoodie wasn't like, and mind you, this is my first Russell hoodie. So for me, the Russell hoodie was just like a jacket that you put on and you would take yeah. and, and you take off and you put in your lock and you wear whatever. But I didn't know the social status was the Russell hoodie was a part of an outfit. So even though I was wearing it as a jacket and it would take it off put in a locker, I have people in high school saying, I can't he wearing it again. And one day I hear them saying he's wearing it again, but I'm like, I'm not wearing it as a, a hoodie. Yeah, I'm but wearing they, but their assumption. They, 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 they're seeing this, and this is what they. But this is what they wanted it to be. They wanted it to be he wearing it again. So at that moment in time, I decided in the ninth grade year, one, I can give a hell. I, I could really care less what you think. And 
I remember at this point, I'm starting, instead of feeling like victim, I, I, I'm taking control of how I wanted to be, who I was going to be. And then the term regular just came up because people would ask me every day how I was doing and I got tired of saying, I'm fine or I'm whatever. And it's like, you know what? Today I'm not fine, but I'm still me. I don't really like y'all. Don't really want to speak, <laughs> but I'm regular. And so you, it may not be regular for you because I'm not going to say I'm good or I'm fine, but it's regular for me because I really don't care what you think. You, you're going to sit there. You're going to be there. All of you guys going to do what you do. I'm me. And so I went through that phase of, you know what? I could have taken all of those things. And this is why I, I truly, I'm, I'm thankful to God because these are gifts that I believe he placed in me. I don't, it was not something that someone said. It was none of those things. These were things that were being developed on the inside of me because of the circumstances that I was in. Mm -hmm. And instead of, and these were the first opportunities to be like, you know what? You know, I refuse to let you define me. I, I, you know, I, I recall being angry and wanting to like, you know what? I could punch you in the mouth. I could do all of those different things. Some of the people I know, I wouldn't have beaten. They would have probably whipped my <laughs> So, you know what? Okay, yeah, okay. it wasn't no punching them in the mouth. But <laughs> but, you, but in your but, dreams, but, but no, somebody got what, to take What, what I did was, bit. I still was freed enough to not let that person's thoughts control me, which is, it, you, regardless of the physical part of it, when people can mentally control you, it's worse. that's worse. Mm -hmm. And so, I was no longer under the control. I started becoming my own individual. And I'll wrap up with this, this part. Um, I told you, and I said it, like I said, I mentioned in one of our other podcasts, where as I'm developing this, I told you the funny thing was people recognize it and start to see it. And I told you this one young girl called me conceited. And when she called me conceited, even with all of my smartness, I had never been called that before. That was in none of the books that I read. So I didn't know what conceited meant. I actually didn't. And so when she said this to me, my, my buddy was like, yo, she called you, you heard what she called you, she called you conceited. Now, this same kid who was wearing an oatmeal coat and the Russell hoodie and all, you know, and other hand-me-downs, all, this kid now went from that kid, just because I had... You changed I, Because I, my, mental, my mental perspective on who I was changed. I went from being the kid who was all of these the things. Geek, the geeky kid. Exactly. To now, to I'm conceited kid. Just and because I changed my mental mindset... And I was like, nah, I'm not going to let you guys define that, you know, for me. And so it's it's funny how humans want to control you and that decision to say, I'm not going to allow you to do that in me. And that's kind of what I did just in that moment. So that I, like th those were the beginning stages of my independence on, you know, what? I don't want to be a victim. It doesn't mean things weren't, you know, didn't go on. And we'll talk about that a little bit for me. Those were my moments, sis. And I, that, that early on, I decided that I wasn't going to be a victim. And I, I'm thank, I'm truly thankful to God because, like I say, it wasn't like somebody sat me down and had some, let me make you feel better talk. Yeah. You just had to, you had to develop that stuff <laughs> through all of that. So. <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> and we're back. That would have been the best. We can still try to do that. We're I don't gonna, know. We'll figure we'll it out. You know. But it, as far as me and developing who I was, like I said, for me, we grew up privileged, I feel. Mm -hmm. Yes, we were probably considered living in poverty, I'm sure. You know, whenever you talk about welfare, the assumption is like, whoa, it's me. I can't believe you were on the system. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's assistance. And if you have a person in your life who uses it as assistance, 
not just a system, it makes a very difference. Exactly. It, you know, makes a difference. So we grew up, like I said, we, you know, we got to the privilege of living in a house. Mm-hmm. I can't remember too many times when my mom didn't have a car. It might have been a busted car. It probably was like the auction. Mm -hmm. But we had, you know, those types of things. So when you grow up watching a person not live in a victimized mentality, it changes the way you look at things. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. You know? So me growing up, like I said, I was, it was my brother and I, so we always had to go to a cousin or somewhere else because my mom was always just very afraid that somebody was going to do anything and if anything happened to us she took it so very personal Mm. because she just felt like but i did everything i could to protect you from the boogeyman Mm. and it still landed but most of the time the boogeyman came in under the guise of another person who was playing the victim you know the parent couldn't afford something so my mom was like oh you can come stay with us but you don't know that the son is sick Mm -hmm or mental, or has learning disabilities, or is just a predator. Mm-hmm. You don't know what they've seen in their lives moving forward. Yeah. But you just go with the, I'm going to, because God sent me to do this, make this task work, I'm going to invite these people in to live. And then, and that's what she wrote. Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and then the people show up. So anytime anything would happen to me, you know, that's why I said a couple different podcasts, any sexual assault that's happened to me, I've... It still affects me in a sense where it makes me sick to think that it happens to anybody else. And it still bulls my blood that any child, male or female, ever have to go through being violated. However, when it comes to it happening to me, I took away the power of the other person. Mm. I no longer decided that I was going to be a victim of sexual abuse. I was a survivor of some dumb shit that happens to anybody. You know, the assumption. So, what was that, that process like for you? When you so, said you, deci- well, when you decided. So, 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 when I was, like I said, it happened to me when I was very young. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a weird thing. Weird story. Not even sure. I'm just saying, I don't know if it happened, Your Honor, but this is the story I got. <laughs> so, when I was probably like three, because three, four, you usually you remember some things. Mm hmm. We were living like on, um, it was called Herring Court over in like South Baltimore and the projects mm-hmm. before it became like Horty Torty and now it's back to just the projects. <laughs> um, but <laughs> <laughs> my mom and I lived there mm-hmm. and I believe that my brother had just kind of came. My father was kind of there sometimes back and forth, right? One of the people that we befriended was a woman and she had brothers. One of the brothers took me behind a couch and touched me. Mm. I was mouthy enough to scream. My mom comes down, she loses her shit. A couple weeks later, the guy winds up dead. I don't know. Now, our father found out what happened. I don't know if this guy was touching other people or whatever. Mm-hmm. The guy just winds up dead. Eh. My thing is, I'm free. Like, even as a kid, I'm like, the boogeyman can't hurt me now. Mm-hmm. Next. You know, I get older. Like I said, my, you had one of our fathers. <laughs> it's weird. 
Oh, that shit is connected to him. Well, I never thought of it like that. What it's about like, Father? like the podcast, right? I know, it's weird, right? <laughs> what about Father's the best friend, his daughter, tried something with me. Threw myself out the bed. My mom came in. What? Packed out stuff up that night. We never went back. You know, I think a lot of my process is because I had the privilege to have a blessing. I had a person who was there who kept trying to save it, who kept trying to make sure that I was okay, who didn't turn around like sometimes you watch these women and men who make their children out to be the monster Mm -hmm. instead of the person who's the monster. How dare you blame my boyfriend? You know, you were trying to seduce him. What does a five, six, seven-year-old know about seducing a person? You know what I mean? Like That's when that person... Is a victim themselves. And they're, they're going through something you know? themselves, and they so and they, they try they to have, hold on to yeah, something. And so they have to project you know? that on you, like you, you're the problem, not not, not them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you know, when I was nine, the um, guy who I say punched me and um, sexually assaulted me was our father's brother's girlfriend's son. I feel like we were Mari Povich. That's a lot of people. <laughs> you know, any DNA tested for um, all of this stuff? Um, but you know what I think with that last one what really helped me out is that I, I never I still never stopped believing in people it wasn't mm. even I was cautious I'm still very cautious of people I stare most people directly in the eye because I want you to see me see you. Mm-hmm. And that deters a lot of people, even when they well, come. They don't want you. They like, why? What, they, now they want to see what you're looking at. You they know? should hold it. You can study and what they'll tell you. Hold it. Look hold it stand for three seconds. Yeah, just, it's, yep, it's just, a very small time. And then look away, but come back. You know, I'm like, half the time, they don't know I'm cockeyed. I'm probably not even looking so at them. Ask, so let me ask you this. This is something that I do. And I'll still finish the story, but this is a question. I don't look people in their eyes because... I can see them. Like when I look into people's eyes, I see them. And so I choose not to look into people's eyes when I'm telling stories and when I'm doing certain things. Not because I'll look in your eyes, Mm -hmm. but I always tell people I can look in your eyes and see you. And when I see you, it's like I turn away because I don't want to see certain things. I don't want to see certain parts of people that I know I can see. Did you do that as well? Yes. And okay, remember me and my hippie self and my colors. The colors of the rainbow. Yes. So, you know, but I tell people all the time, I stare into people's eyes on purpose. Sometimes I have an authority issue and I like to watch to see who's going back down because a lot of people who be like, blah, 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 when you stare at them, they like stop looking at other places to figure mm-hmm. out how to not talk to yeah, you. Yeah. Or really when people bullshitting you, they start trying to figure a way out because they like, but you, you messing up my story. And I just stare at people. I'm like, hey, we're going to do this. We are, you and me going to tell the truth today or you're going to look crazy staring all over the place because they're trying to figure out what's happening. But also, it's, as I've said before, it's because I want to make sure that the people who I invite into my life fit my energy. I don't want you to be like me because I don't need another me. Mm-hmm. However, I don't need you to bring your garbage to my house to drop off and then every time you come, you leave it here, and then I have to figure out how to get your spirits out of my house. And that means my car, my thoughts. You know, mm-hmm. like you said a, a couple of months ago, I mean, about a month ago, people who come dump 
and then leave. Mm-hmm. Now they feel good, but you got the shit stuck in your head, and you got to figure out how to get it you out. You got to process it and get it out. Damage to your soul is very damaging to you. You know, so I agree with you. That sometimes you just be like, I ain't ready today. You know, <laughs> you just like walk off. You know, and it has. And I always say, you know, like you said, it's the gifts. You know, I think that I've always been the person who. Once the moment's done, if I can forgive you, I will. Mm-hmm. And I've always done that for me. I haven't done it for other people. Mm-hmm. It was never like, I forgive you so that you can be friends with me. No. I need to forgive you because I need room in my life for the positive energy to roll in. Yeah. Because I can be nasty and hold on to that shit, but I've watched people's faces who hold on to that shit. They age fast. They get sick fast. Everything is a problem. It's like a Damn, wine fest. I get. I think I just I get mad at myself when I get to a place of. I don't know if I necessarily always forgive people, but I can get past stuff. And I told you, I think it's been said to me, I forgive too easy, and it, I don't even always look at it as forgiveness. I do like for me, I. It's just not worth the heaviness or the burden or the drama of you know, holding on to something when someone has done something to you. My, my, the way I look at it and the way I view it is, is I don't really care about you. I'm still going to accomplish what I got to accomplish in the first place. I'm just an Aquarius personality. Yeah, uh, the other day, really one of my care. girlfriends, she posted something like, she, it was something along the lines of, people always make the assumption that because you're quiet, that they've done something wrong to you. And she was like, I'm an Aquarius. I don't care about you. And I was laughing, but I was like, it's not the, not really the Aquarius, but it innately, the people that we are, what's important to us is what's important to us. Yeah, and that's, that's it. it. Yep. You know, and it has nothing to do with like, you could be like the coolest person in the world, but once we're done, we're done. We're like getting in the car. Where are you going? I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm wrapping that's this it. shit up. Yep, I don't yeah. want to do it. You know, but just, you know, growing up, I always say, when I started high school, because I went in middle school, I was in Catholic school. Mm-hmm. And around eighth grade, I was always, I don't, the word sheepdog sounds like I look like a, like a dog, but that wasn't it. It was because my uncle wouldn't let me cut my hair. So I had hair all the way down my back, front and back. It's real hard <laughs> to have a style with all your hair, where well, you look like um, what's her name, Wednesday Adams, like, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So he finally let me get bangs, a tilted bang. You know, you couldn't so tell you me like shit. Your old girl from The Incredibles. Yes, I could flip <laughs> that shit. I could flip that. <laughs> you look like I could flip that. You know, but it took a, a while for me to figure out if I wanted to be like everybody else or not, because you know, middle school, it's just your hormones are off key. You know, there are girls who breasts are bigger, some are smaller. You know, you're trying to figure out who's getting the attention and what kind of attention do you want? You know, I mean, I went to school in like seventh and eighth grade with a chick who was dating kingpins and getting her ass beat. Like she would come to school. You couldn't ask her any questions because they just set it up that way. She would wear sunglasses because she always had black eyes. The school would try to intervene. She would go back. You couldn't do anything with it. Like, you just couldn't do anything with it. You know, so I knew that, like, okay, I have to figure out who I am. And by the time I got into high school, my ninth grade year, I spent 
trying to fit in a bit. Like, you know, I wanted to have like the Reeboks and the slouch socks and the, you know, I tried. No other colors, just white with like 17 million slouch socks. I don't even know how your feet not like just. I heard we put that many socks in your know. shoes, but people used to do that. I don't understand. And, but we, we fit them in. We did. I know. And our feet didn't like contort or nothing. I don't know. My feet swell now, so when I put certain <laughs> shoes, like I can only get one pair on I'll, to be comfortable. Look, you know? I'm with you. Okay, and I love heels. You know, <laughs> great. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, my ankle felt funny. I'm going to take that one off. I'm going to wear that one. You know? But I remember midway through eighth grade, I mean, midway through ninth grade, I was like, I like being dressed up. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my shit. So I probably was one of a few girls in high school who wore heels. And I, we still talking about kitten heels because I hadn't graduated to like the fly heels. Mm -hmm. But, you know, <laughs> you know, wearing heels or always having like a matching two-piece set mm -hmm. or, you know, or wearing a dress, that was my thing. Yeah. And I never tried to fit in because, you know, I wasn't, we weren't making enough money to, and I started working when I was 14. Like so, that, yeah. you know, I never have not, I've always worked since I was 14, mm -hmm. you know, but we didn't have enough money to afford all of the name brand things, but they never really attracted my eyes. So, as you know, when we talk about being a victim, I think it's, I wasn't even allowed to be that way. Like, it wasn't set up in me to stay in that place, yeah. you know? And don't get me wrong, you know, I've had my woe is me moments where you wish you could have had this or, you know, to say you never did, is this, you're not being human, you're not being honest. There are moments when you wish you had something else, but to stay in it and to make, you know, a parent suffer for it or to, you know, feel like life is taking things away from me, I didn't feel that way. And I, I think the biggest reason was because, and I don't know if you had the same thing, growing up, I never even had like the, I wish I had a father kind of a moment for me because oh, I was, because I was fed so much love by the people who were around me that it, it didn't, I didn't even know what that life would feel like. Plus, I lived in an area where I can guarantee you I only knew two people who had their dad living in the house. Yeah, one was an alcoholic and the other one was really nice. Like, so, that and I was like, I don't want the alcoholic dad and the really nice dad. He was like the Bill Cosby of the neighborhood. You just was like, eh. I didn't really think about it, dude. I think the only, I told you, having the agent at an early age, that changed for me. That, that, like, I just wanted him to know. I told you it was my uh, drumline moment when Nick Cannon, yeah. <laughs> walk, you know, goes up to the little ticket booth, and once he says it, you know, it's like when he gets accepted into college. Yeah. You know, it's like he wanted to let him know. You I know, did yeah, this. I did this exactly, and yeah. I did it without you. Yeah. And so see, I, was, I never had that moment. Yeah. I only had to threaten him when I threatened to plug his <laughs> his dialysis cord into the wall because the motherfucker was trying to confess to me. I'm like, hey, I don't care. I just need you to know. I don't give a shit. Like, congratulations, you found Jesus. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy for you. But none of this shit that you've done in your life is going to change the way I feel. Like, everything you've done so far, I forgive you for me, but not for you. So, anything you want to tell me about your life, <laughs> yo, how you wilding out. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, as an adult, you with, like, my funny shit, I wish I would have, like, got some stories in. Because I was like, cha-cha-cha. But I got nothing. 
let me tell you some breaking news that I didn't even know about. My mom told me, I was like, I gotta tell them on. Then I went on vacation. Come to find out, my, our father's brother, all of them, that was an older sister. I was like, what? When did this happen? My mother was like, she died very early on. Okay. I said, okay. And my mom was like, they were all responsible for taking care of her, watched the sibling die, then they still had to take care of everything else. And I was like, well, why don't we know this? Then I remembered, oh, because we don't know if we were in North Carolina or South Carolina. We got, we got, we just know that there's a Lana on the birth certificate somewhere. So I was like, we might own land somewhere. We don't know. I'm just saying. Hmm. Interesting information. Good stuff. I don't know. Then we'll be back. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to. You have a couple of questions that you you kind of put down. So, uh, all right, which one you want to work on? Uh, one question that kind of stood out to me that that's on the paper says, "Why why should you work on elimin eliminating the victim's mentality or the victim mentality? Why should a person work on eliminating the victim?" mentality i just think that for me let me mm -hmm. say this for me i believe that it helps if you can work through steps i don't think you know if you've had a tragic event happen to you and it is something that eats you alive every day um i think trying to work on it really helps you live a little longer in life mm -hmm. you know there's so many times I don't think that people really correlate how your mind works with how your body works. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, just scientifically, when you have a anxiety attack, when your stress is high, when your blood pressure is high, you know, kind of think of it as like a punch to the veins in your body because your anxiety is squeezed up your, your veins. You know, like a punch to your chest or no. your gut. Your veins. She These are the things that feed your whole body. I it's, understand. You know but I mean? I've just never just never <laughs> heard like a punch to your veins. Okay. A punch to your veins. You know how like if you ever hit your finger and get oh, trust vein, me, I know. And it, it changes things. It does. Um, but I think that, you know, <laughs> you need to understand that like that burst of anxiety, that adrenaline that kind of kicks in, it ex you know, your your veins expand and then they crunch back up. But like, you know, every time you do that, it sends these like your endorphins kind of in a negative stance. It really does deplete those veins. It overstimulates everything. Mm -hmm. And it ages your body. I agree. You know, so up. like that that's just, you know, so if you think about your veins feed every part of your body. Mm-hmm. Do you, would you want, you know, it's like when you're talking to people, would you want your heart, would you like purposefully stress out your heart, your liver, your kidneys, the things that keep you alive, your, your mind, because at the end of the day, what good is it doing you, mm -hmm. you know? So like for me, I think working on eliminating, and I mean that like you can never, depending on which what's happening in your life, elimination may not be was feasible for you. Mm -hmm. But I think that it is absolutely a chance for you to work on yourself so that you can invite some more positive experiences in. 
and connect with people. You know, we, like we always say, this peer-to-peer thing that my brother and I are doing mm-hmm. really is just because it helps us feel better for always. the next few days until we meet up again. Or, you know, when we talk to our spouses, we talk mm-hmm. to our kids, you know, our best friends, whatever. It really helps us feel better. It helps us feel heard and it helps lighten your load. I agree. You know? But so, you know, when you say you may not be able to eliminate it, the, the, the question is the word eliminating is a present participle. So it, as, as is in that, the process of elimination is over and over again. It's not when you, the process of eliminating the victim's mentality or a victim mentality is not something you do once. Yeah. I, it's something that you do continually because you're going to face different traumas Absolutely. and different trials throughout the whole course of your, your life. So you're going, you're going to have many opportunities to, um, and, and, and eliminating a victim's mentality, I would say, is not acknowledging that something doesn't hurt you or something no. has caused you stress or something makes you anxious. That's not what I would say. I, the one thing that I've learned in, in the process of dealing with uh, the, 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 pro, the whole victim's mentality is or eliminating it at least continually in my life is when something, when something hurts me or something bothers me, or someone hurts or you know or has done something to me, I don't want them to have control over me. I get mad at myself if I allow a situation that someone has brought into my life to stay in my life because I control whether or not I want them to stay in my life or whether or not I continue to just dwell, dwell on and think about the yeah. this situation. And, and I believe you are like me. We like tackle it head on. Like, yeah, I'm going to go to you it. You know, we just we deal with it because I think that is one of the ways of helping to eliminate some of that stress. Agreed. You know, because once you, you talk about it or you say how you feel or you deal with it, yes, sometimes you have the anxiety of, I really don't want to do this at the moment, but usually after you finish, unless you just have a knucklehead, <laughs> you are, you feel a little bit better because at least you feel, as we always say, heard. Yep. And then you can move on to the next thing and it's not something you just This is funny. To. When you say like how we tackle things head on and that's a part of overcoming the victim's mentality, it's, it was, it's, uh, it's this scene in Denzel Washington picture, the equalizer, where this guy is trying to find out who is this guy who's disrupting their business or who's disrupted their business. And he goes to Denzel Washington's house and he knocks, or his apartment, and he knocks on the door. And so he's kind of standing back from Denzel. While he, as he knocks, he kind of takes a step back. So Denzel Washington goes to his door, and when he goes to his door, like, he, Denzel can immediately sense that this guy is there for some other reason, not just a, playing a police detective. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he does that that is how you and I attack problems, but he didn't like just like step back from it. Denzel steps outside of his apartment and steps like nose the nose of the guy. <laughs> and like, how'd you know where I live? You know, uh-huh. how'd you know it was and he's just like he but he, invaded but, his whole space. But like this guy was coming to do the intimidating, but he got flipped out. Yeah. He like he steps <laughs> to him really close and to me when you're when you're when you're dealing with an issue or, you know, uh, uh, one of the processes that I know I use to, to, to handle being a victim mentality, and I do this, and do I always do it right or practice it right? No, being an idiot, there are times when I'm too, I'm too aggressive or assertive in trying to address a situation with people, <laughs> with people close to me. <laughs> um, and so I've had to learn to moderate or modulate that way. I had to pull back. Mm-hmm. But 
I do look at and, and you know from a professional and a personal standpoint when something is bothering me and it's very healthy for me I need to talk about it mm-hmm. I need to address it and I need to, to, to discuss it and I know some people be like well well won't you wait well, it's better to wait until I agree it's better to get your thoughts together so that the whatever negative emotions aren't being so emotions emitted, aren't in the front. yeah those things aren't mm-hmm. being admitted to someone mm-hmm. else and those things aren't going out to someone else but I think that to allow yourself to dwell in it allows you to to kind of not only give that situation or that person control over you which puts you more into a victim state it it can it can do things internally like you say that punch to the veins because then it starts to, to produce different toxic responses inside of you so for me i think one of the best reasons for eliminating the victim's mentality is because it's about you not controlling everyone else or every circumstance that comes your way, but you control how you'll respond to those circumstances. And, and I think like, that's very important. You ever be so stressed out, like, that should make you tired. Like, you know that it's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. But the stress of it is just so much that you like, I need to take a nap. Because you literally need to reset your body mm-hmm. to be in yes. a better place, you know? <laughs> Like, I always like, you know how it's funny because as I've gotten older, naps have become my friend. Like, I remember being little, like, I don't need a nap. Now I'm just like, you just give me yeah, a good hour. Yeah, I, I, I just need a moment because life is a bit much right now. But I agree with you. That, that whole taking care of yourself, self-preservation. So, yeah. in addition to that, these are some things that uh, th- there's some signs that a person can look for when you are or when you may find yourself being in a victim state uh, or, or, or a, ment- a mental state where you feel like you're a victim. And so some of the things that you need to look for and probably pay attention to if you want to kind of overcome what it means to be a victim, um, the first thing is is you feel powerless and unable to solve a problem or cope effectively with it. And I'll handle that when I'll let you take the next mm-hmm. one. But when when you feel powerless, one of the things I was talking with uh, my youngest daughter today and uh, she does well uh, in her field of dance, but she always finds something that is brought her way where even if she gets a victory, it's like, but they did this to me or they did that. And I said, babe, I said, you got a couple of things you could do. I said, if someone brings something to you that you don't like, gather your thoughts, talk to them about it. If it's a legitimate situation that can be changed, then they'll address it because you talk to them about it. I said, but if it's adversity just because it's not what you like, that's not a problem. No. That's just something that you have to work through. I said, that's all of life, and you learn to work through those things. And so, like, I, I don't want her to grow up thinking she's powerless to not be able to, be able to handle a situation. So it's like, can you discuss it and talk about it so that you can effectively see it change? And if you can, then gather your thoughts, talk to them about it. Mm-hmm. If it's just a part of what you're dealing with, then what you have to do is you have to Talk to yourself and say, I'm going to endure this because the end is going to be greater for me. And as long as it's not physically or mentally hurting me, then this is just some adversity I'll work work through. So if you ever find yourself feeling powerless, you need to talk with someone, watch a TED talk, you know, look up something online, call a friend, do whatever you need to so that you can realize there's no situation or that. Let me change that because there can be some situations. If a situation is presenting itself where you feel like you can contribute to, 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 to change it, 
I would say realize you do have the power to address it, discuss it, or make a decision to say, you know what? I'm out of here. Yeah. I'm not dealing with this. Yeah, this I'm isn't for me. On. Yep, I'm moving on. Okay. So, oh, the next one. Okay. You tend to see your problems as catastrophes. Now, sometimes they can be. However, mm-hmm. majority of the time. What's your thing? You say you're not special? <laughs> you're not that special. <laughs> you're just not that special. Um, you know, I think that um, catastrophes, hurricanes, yep. a house on fire, uh, loss of someone you love, mm-hmm. catastrophes to your world. But because your coworker won't talk to you, um, <laughs> because somebody jumped in front of you when you were driving down the road, uh, you know, because you couldn't write your paper in time, but you waited to the last minute to do it, <laughs> you know, just things like that, not catastrophes. Um, I think sometimes we need to learn how to check ourselves, mm. you know, if you're sitting down and you are always the nucleus of the problem. Someone's always doing something to you. Mm. You know, nobody likes you. They're always bullying you. They're always pointing at you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes check yourself. Make sure you aren't presenting yourself in a way where you look like a victim. Yeah. You know, like like said, change your mentality. Become the lion. Mm. It really does change the way you your stance. It changes how you speak to people and what you receive. Because if you're thinking like a victim, what you hear is assaults all day. But when you start thinking with the power that's within you, you don't hear those things. The conversation sounds so very different. That's powerful, sister. It, it, it's funny. I saw this thing on Facebook, and I think I reshared it because it was funny, where it says, me on my way to God. And it was like a kitten. Yes. And, and me then after God, me And it's God. a lion. It's, yes. And so it's like you... you you almost have to, I, I think, and yep, it is, this is me, and I'm thankful that it is you. When, when, when situations present themselves, you, you will have moments when you feel like that kitten. Absolutely. You will. But, but, it's but, but, but whether it's you going to talk to God, you talking to a friend, you reading a novel, you reading something that just says, you know what? I'm not aligned right now. We used to, we grew up watching this. Remember Mighty Mouse? Yes, great. <laughs> you know, and so you, you may feel a particular way going into a situation, but what you realize, excuse me, what you realize afterwards is you realize that, you know what, you do and you can, if you don't have them currently, you can find resources so that every situation is not a catastrophe. Absolutely. All right. Sometimes a victim, sometimes victims tend to think others are purposefully trying to hurt them. Um, and and this is funny because it, I think it's human. that There are times, and I think when we were doing the, the, the show on Mixed Station Radio, we were talking like because there are different sets and groups of people who feel like somebody's always out to get them. And when you were talking about your recent vacation and what's projected on the news and how, you know, news stations where you guys were traveling weren't showing that, they're like, they're like, there weren't bad stories being shown, but when you come and you grow up in the areas where we grew up, all news, I mean, I know on one particular news station, they always show city in crisis, city in crisis. And as they say, city in crisis, <sighs> it's projecting this thought, like, like everything is so like, bad. And it's just, and so, and then it, you, you to flip it, you, you, you will hear politicians say, 
these people are coming to get our jobs. And if this happens, you know, if, if they continue to, 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 Give to come memory. and do all of this things, Woo. like they start making you think they are out to get our jobs and they are trying to change our culture. And so then that purpose, that those group, that group of people is now out to get you. And uh, I think we talked about this also on Sunday where, you know, we're standing, you're standing talking to a group of friends and you, and somebody be like, you know what they, they say. I'd be like, no, who is there? You know, I say it all the time. It's who like, is who is that? And I said, talk to me about this day that you're yeah. talking it's about. The people in your head. <laughs> like, tell me yeah. who was they. So, I think that you have to also realize when when it comes to to, to having a victim's mentality. Sometimes the thoughts that are placed in your head are not your own thoughts. Sometimes they're the thoughts of the people that you've grown up around. Sometimes they're the thoughts of the talk shows, the TV shows, the different things that you're listening to. And if you listen to them enough you will not have your own thoughts. What you'll start doing is you'll have the thoughts of something something that someone's projected on you. Be very mindful of the people that you're listening to and be very mindful of the things that you allow to enter into your spirit. I start many of my conversations. I'm not an individual who likes to hear gossip. Even if when people say, well, what if it's about you? You're like, eh. I said, you know. I'm glad you're talking about me. I am kind of flying. But I look at it like this. I always tell people, if and from a work perspective, I said, can it hurt my employees? Whatever they're saying about me, and can it hurt the company? If it can't hurt either one of those, I don't need to know. Yeah. And when it comes from a personal standpoint, if it really, it really doesn't bother me. Like you say, whether it's, it's the acquiring, if it's the acquiring in me, that's what it is. But unless it's going to hurt my family, I really care less about what you think about I'm, me. I'm gonna I'm, go home. If I, I need my car yeah, to go I'm, home to my family, I'm going to be all right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, realize no one understand that you've been fortunate and blessed enough and to me god has given each one of us the the choice and and a level of independence to live our own lives but if you allow certain people into your life and those people start to bring toxic news and toxic viewpoints to you you have to decide that you don't want to embrace those things and you have to look for not just positive moments you have to look for truths and principles of truth that will help you to move beyond those negative thoughts and those negative viewpoints. Because if you always feel like somebody's out to get you, they will be out to get you. And you will always live in fear because you've now placed this, that seed has been planted and you've continually watered it so that individuals, you start thinking, this person is coming to get me. That I always tell them, I don't really care. I, I tell opponents, and or not opponents, but different people when they say, I heard you were talking about me. I said, man, I'm too confident in myself to even think about caring about talking about you. I said, I'm, I'm really concerned with who you are, what you're doing. I'm, I'm good with me. With yeah. Yeah. My statement always says, I'm like, are we going to sleep together later? Yeah. I mean, because like at the end of the day, you need to understand that the people who are important to me live under my roof. That's it. And it's not that my mom isn't important or anything like that, but I'm like, on my everyday when I, you know, when I wake up in the morning, the first people that I'm trying to make sure what's happening in this house, you know, and Ray, because you know, the that's dog should be fed. You that's know. your boy. That's your that's boy. That's my boy. I love him, but he stop, he got to stop sniffing you like that. So <laughs> Number four. Um, you believe you alone are targeted for mistreatment. Hmm. Again, I say you're <laughs> not that special. <laughs> um. Now, there are times where you live, maybe you, you live in a situation, you know, in a house, mm-hmm. um, or you may be, a, again, like we said earlier, you may be a kid who just happens to be the odd man out. 
mm-hmm. not even on purpose, but just because they decided that you are the the new thing this week. Mm-hmm. Um, those things happen. All of us. I can't think of too many people who haven't been the it person at some point in their yes, life. Yes, everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, where you felt like, why do they keep coming back and talking about me? But again, I say a lot of that is the way you carry yourself. You know, people look at your body language. They look at what you say about yourself. Mm-hmm. And if they can attack you through you, they will. And, you know, how you feel about yourself or, you know, sometimes you have that saying you got to fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you got to put on that like cape and pretend to be the superhero yep. until you can get to a place where you really are. Because nobody... And I mean, nobody has more power over the suggestion of who you are than yourself. And you are the one. You know what <laughs> I mean? You are the one. That's because right. there's so many other people who will try to portray um, you as the monster. Or there will be people who are going to be like, you know, you're either you're not participating well or you don't do the same thing as other people do. That's not your job. Your job here is to be the best version of you that you can be. It's not to be the best version of whoever is talking to you can be. So I think with me, with regards to the mistreatment, you know, feeling like you're always mistreated, sometimes you are. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pretend like that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But majority of the time, it's how you portray yourself and people take you and use you against you. But you, you hit it on the head when you say you, because the statement is, is a victim believes they alone mm-hmm. are the only ones. Mm-hmm. You're not that special. Mm-hmm. We all endure lots of different things that come into our lives. And it doesn't mean that because I said it a few statements ago. Acknowledge when something is real. There are times when people... We, we yeah. live in a very cruel... Uh, the world can be very cruel, not not all of the time. Because um, I love the good that I see and I love the good that people do. And there's a lot of good. Exactly. But there, there are certain cruel things and cruel situations. And even when you're, you find yourself in a very adversarial place, understand that how you respond Absolutely. and certain actions you take will help you to get out of those situations or can help you to manage those situations. There are people that, that it's funny that there are certain individuals who go to jail and the system is just as broken for them as it is for you. But when you watch them come out and how they, productive they, they, they are, work that that's, their, that's their choice. And mm-hmm. so there are opportunities for you to advance there. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, so many times um, we have this whole, you know, I can't do it, mm-hmm. you know, and my kids grew up the the rule used to be when you said I can't you said you say what the Browns never say can't that was our thing you know like it didn't it. matter what's happening because I love it I you know I think that when you a force when you force yourself to believe that you can do it you try a little harder mm-hmm. and you come up with ways to work things out you know like you said you, you have you have to believe in you so much more than anybody else you just I mean and if you don't find somebody who believes in you. More than you believe in yourself. Because exactly. believe me, Cause there's somebody out there. Exactly. And you and you need to hear that. I was going to say because some, my family calls on me often. It's like, hey. Work give me, out. Give, give me some words of encouragement. Give me one of those sayings. I, I need like, a scripture. I need a scripture. It's like, what are you, it's like, what are you talking about? Give you one of those sayings. I said, what are we What are we doing? I said, I don't just like, like you as a machine. Like, You do. They put, they put the credit card in, swipe it. It's like, you, you're supposed to just come <laughs> up with you like, you need motivation. Like, you start lighting up at the top. 
text like that. So it's like, not always like that. But I said, talk to me about your situation. And then See, I can tell but, you how we're going to But this is work. the thing. You open up your heart. You allow people to come because, in. Because then... we, we want to get them to that place. Yeah. Number, right, five. number five. Uh, sometimes victims believe, victims hold tightly, or someone with a victim mentality holds tightly to thoughts and feelings related to being a victim. They also refuse to consider other perspectives for how to think about, uh, for how to think about and for how to cope with prop with their problems. So being a victim, you, then this is something I see oftentimes. And, and we've talked about it, so I'm not going to belabor it. We think we're special. We think it's all about us and we focus on us and we do not look at other people's perspectives. One of the reasons I enjoy doing this podcast and enjoying what we're doing is it's we do a lot of research and I get to read a lot of stories and I try mm -hmm. to read them from as many perspectives as possible, or at least I have time to do. And so in doing it, I would tell people one of the blessings that, and one of the benefits that I have been fortunate enough to have is, is just actually sitting and listening to a person. Mm -hmm. And when you sit down and you listen to a person's perspective and you listen to what it is that he, what he even what drives, not the bad decisions that says, you know, to hurt someone, but there's always a backstory or there's always more to a story than what you have, you, you you know in that first moment. Yeah, the snippet that and you so, saw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when, when something is presenting itself to you, try as best you can to get the entire or the whole story. So that instead of saying, what was me or this, you know, you did this to me. Try to get a little bit more. Try to learn about that individual. Try to learn what it is that has caused the situation now is it going to always make you feel better i don't believe so and it's not always meant to <laughs> yeah and and but if it could provide you an understanding so that you can move on to continue living your life after whatever it is that caused you trauma or strife that's going to be good for you and so you you will be learning the story not to eliminate the pain all the time because you won't do that but what you will be able to do is say i've i've been scarred i've been injured but i'm moving on and that's what's healthy for me. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Try to get the whole story so that you can move on for you. The quick story. So when we, I was in um, Asheville, North Carolina, mm -hmm. and when we were driving through, we were driving through the mountains, and they were beautiful. But it just felt like a small little Hoboken town, mm -hmm. and then like we had like one Grand Central, and the Central was Walmart. Like you know, Walmart Always. was like Always. the bomb.com. It was things yeah. happening in Walmart you wouldn't believe. You know. Mm -hmm. And I, we were standing around <laughs> waiting for a tow truck to come pick up the motorcycle. Long story. Different driver. It was different. It was interesting. But it was, um, you, I hear this, hey, you. Hey, you. And I like look around and it's this older lady. And then I get close and I realize, no, she's an elder. She's an old lady. Mm -hmm. She happened to be 87 years old. She was like, I called your name. I mean, I called to you because I'm allowed to scream now. And I'm old enough to do it. The Lord let me do it. You know, and I walked over and she was just telling us about her town and how beautiful it was and about the mountains and you know how it was the, one of the oldest towns and she was like by the time she was finished we were invited to dinner that night <laughs> we didn't go but I love them but I love great. those folks man. Oh, man but it was just such a beautiful thing to have to like again walk in someone else's shoes and see through their eyes and it changed the picture so very much that like the people who started walking past us greeted us differently because we felt different about where we were standing you know and that was well one I 
now I remember I used to be like, oh, people talk too slow. Now I'm like, tell me what you're doing, grandma. Mm -hmm. You know, give me some information. But like you said, you know, that standing in someone else's shoes and being able to see through their eyes can change the momentum of the, you know, situation so quick. And that was a blessing. 87 years old. I want to be there. Number six, as a victim, you feel compelled to keep painful memories alive, not forgive, and to take revenge. Mm. That's not even in my vocabulary. Mm -hmm. I mean, now don't get me wrong. I've had dreams where I've like, you know, plucked somebody in the forehead. Like Kevin Hart said, pop, 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 a couple times in the forehead. But in general, I think in my whole life that I can remember, I've only hated one person. One person. And I had to learn to forgive that person because I realized that they weren't all together. I mean, like, literally, Mm -hmm. mentally all together. So I didn't even have, like, the picture wasn't clear enough for me to, like, use that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it wasn't even our father or anything like that. It was Mm -hmm. just, like, a person. But it's, it's not in me. Like, as angry as I can be, and I can get really angry, I, like... Believe me, there's some shit that can come out, but it never. I want. I don't want to hurt you the way you hurt me, because I don't want karma to whip my ass. Like that stuff comes back to you. All that nastiness that you throw out can come back to you, and yeah, and I don't want to do that. I don't think it's. I don't. I, That's for me. Yeah, no, no, I'm, no, I, no. I'm serious. I, I'm agreeing with you. I, when I was very say, I don't think it's worth it. I, I tried that when you just made the comment about not liking or hating certain people. And, the, and it's so funny. I, even from a personal standpoint, nah. It's, I, you, I can be really angry at individuals. There could be some people I say, you know what? I don't like them. Mm-hmm. But I may not like them in that moment, but it doesn't last because I'm not going to live with it and I don't want to. In a professional setting, I think there's been two, two people, but I realized this, that I, and, and I say it was not hate. It was just a, it was a dislike. Um, and it was more disliking the actions. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if I used the term hurt, because I, once I can't put that much energy in, in disliking you. It's just too, it's, it's too, too exhausting I for know. me. I know. I'm like, you need to understand. I don't care enough. I, I definitely would encourage people when those situations present themselves, even if they're bad, do more self-reflection and, and be more introspective about yourself. Because as you're thinking, you, 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 you live with you and you can only free yourself by if you want to understand a situation as best you can Mm -hmm. try to but also know that everything that presents itself to you every situation that occurs you're not going to always understand and you're not going to always get answers i always you always used to tell the supervisors who used to report to me i said stop trying to figure out crazy i said i said stop trying to figure out stupid you'll go crazy doing that (laughs) <laughs> because they'd be like, I don't understand why they did it. It's just so stupid. And I said, stop. I said, you're going to drive yourself mad trying to figure out why some people do the stupid things that they do. Yeah. You just won't ever know. It's just stupid. Yeah. So stop. stop. Just stop. Yeah. And so the whole thing with forgiving, I mean, revenge, it's like once that happens and some people are like, I want them to feel like I felt. Uh, is it is that going to fulfill me or make me feel complete? Yeah, like, are you even going to be really. there when it happens? Yeah, I remember going through therapy, and I mean, like, shout out to therapists because seriously, like, like, if you if you can get to one, just a good one, because some people really just sit, they just, just sit with it. a pen and a pad. Mm-hmm. We don't need that shit. But and my therapist, you know, I kept saying, I don't know why 
you know, this person would do that. I just, I don't understand. And then he said the same thing. He was like, stop trying to figure out crazy. He said, it's, that's not your problem. That's not what you're trying to fix. You can't fix that person's mind. Mm-hmm. You have to let that person's mind be their mind. What we're trying to do is change the way you see things yep. so that it works best for you. That's right. You know, and like, and I would like, every time I would have therapy, I'd be like, can you say it again? Like, just because my brain is stuck <laughs> on trying to fix it, yeah. mm-hmm. and I need you to tell me so I'm not supposed to fix it. But okay. But we also have to understand that that process is natural too. Yeah. But going to see the therapist or having someone that you can talk to so you can work through it Man, is something it. also you need to get that the place you need to get to so you can be it made was great. well. It was it was I really I have to say my therapist gave me permission to be angry because I spent so much time I'm a I have conversations about how conversations are going to go in my head so I can like I, I can tackle them. I love those conversations. In different places. But as you my husband talk to yourself? As but as my husband said all the time, he was like, So who was talking? One, two, three, or four? I was like, Well, four was talking to two, because you don't know. Did you see the movie Split? No, no. I know you don't watch them and I'm I not gonna it. encourage you well, to. What's the movie but with that, the, that it was, was the, the kid who had all the people in their head? But it was like a cartoon. But that, was, that's what Split was like. Sang, or that's, uh, Kenny told me about it. I was like, that's, that's a bit much for me. It was, but I understand it, it but they serious, said it was really good. It, it, because it deals with the complexities of mental health. I mean, it was, it was just, it was sick. But yeah. yeah it, no, it was, he said it. He was like, kick a chain. I was like, yo. Um, it was, it was seriously ridiculous. He said it was heavy. It was but enough. It was good each, one. each, well, we all do. That's a different conversation. Yeah. So, I mean, so each one of us have our, you know, we've had our things. I am, you know, I want to use more than 10% of my brain. I think I do sometimes. I don't know. So what we're going to do, and you know, we didn't, we didn't start off with, I'm Hi. sure you got this is lovely <laughs> and this is like, we didn't do, we didn't do we that. We didn't do that. that. So you did it for both. But we, but we'll get, so I'll, I'll read it. I'll do, there's, we're, we're wrapping up this, this podcast. Um, and as we're wrapping up, one of the things we wanted to, we want to encourage people to do, we always try to go give you a light side, the, the light side, and a lovely moment. Lovely. And so this week's, this podcast, The Light Side, is from Steve Maraboli. Um, and so I'm going to read the quote, and he says, Today is a new day. Don't let your history interfere with your destiny. Let today be the day you stop being a victim of your circumstances and start taking action towards the life you want. You have the power and the time to shape your life. Break free, break free from the poisonous victim mentality and embrace the truth of your greatness. You were not meant to you were not meant for mundane or me you were not meant for a mundane or mediocre life. And once again, that's Steve Maraboli. Uh, Ant, Anton of St. Martin says, self-pity is spiritual suicide. Mm. It is an indefensible self-mutilation of the soul. And what I would say to anybody who's, or those who are listening to the podcast, recognize and realize your value. And you recognize and realize your value, not just by mentally saying, I'm better. <laughs> it used to be a Saturday Night Live clip saying, where the guy was named Stuart. He said, I'm special and I'm this. And he would say, I'm not asking you to do those <laughs> things. <laughs> what I am telling you to do is this. You were created for a purpose. And in life, there are things that will come in and try to veer you off of that purpose. And there are times where you may be even born into a situation where you didn't even have a decision because the things didn't come into your life. You were born into those circumstances. And you can start to think, well, what is the value and what is my life worth? 
one of the things that Lovely and I will tell you is we were both born in the circumstances. We talked about a few of those circumstances in the beginning of this podcast. And we could have used any one of those circumstances as a reason to either be bitter and to hate and to do many different things. And we're not saying just because we did it, you can do it. But the one thing I believe is this. I'm not special and neither is she. Um, and when I say that, meaning we're not unique that we can work through difficult times all on our own and be where we are in life. I believe every person has the capacity to do it. And I believe every person is gifted with that opportunity to do it. And so when I read these two quotes, I want you to understand when it says self-pity, uh, when it says self-pity is spiritual suicide, we do more damage to ourselves when we continue to allow circumstances and people to have the impacts on our lives that they're not meant to have on our lives. I would encourage you, if you can, as my sister said, if you can afford a therapist, please find one. If you don't, reach out. If you cannot afford one, reach out to a friend. And if you can't reach out to a friend, uh, she'll be saying, she'll be reading off later, you know, some ways to contact us and to discuss with us because we don't just uh, do this podcast just to be doing it. Our goal is to have an impact because we're thankful. We're enjoying the lives that we're giving, even with the family, not the family, this drama, not bad drama, but just the drama and the, the dramas of life continuing our both of our personal lives. But we go on because this process is a healing. It's, it's a journey for us. And it's something that while we're walking it, we want to share principles and practices that we hope can help you or encourage you to find some place where you can receive what you need so that you can live the life that you were destined to live. That's really good. That's good. In my lovely moment, my lovely moments, <laughs> really are, I want you to remember that not only are you not alone in this, there are so many people who are thirsty for your presence. They would love to be able to talk to you and feel some sort of togetherness. But I also want to make sure that you remember that you do not have to connect with someone because you're broken. Mm -hmm. Connection because of the brokenness is not going to fix it. You need to work on who you are as a person. And to piggyback off of light, we want you to contact us if you can't find a person. If you believe that you're in crisis um, and you feel that if you talk to someone who's connected to you, that they're going to judge you, we're here. Not to judge, but to help you be pointed in a direction that works best for you. Mm -hmm. And that's my lovely moment. Good people, we thank you for joining us for this podcast. And we look forward to the next time uh, where we'll be spending time together. Peace. Thanks for listening to All Up In Your Business podcast with Light and Lovely. If you like our show and want to know more, check us out on Instagram at All Up In Your Business podcast. That's A-L-L-U-P-N-U-R-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S podcast or personally at Light In Your Biz, L-I-T-E dot N-U-R-B-I-Z or at Lovely Brown, L-O-V-E-L-I-B-R-O-W-N. Or on Facebook, just search for All Up In Your Business. Please leave us a review on the podcast you're listening to.
We appreciate your support. Peace.